evening together. And I'll warn you ahead of time, it's going to be a little interactive, at least for some of you. So you'll get a little bit of excitement with it. Um, tonight, the topic is a symphony of praise, and that is blending our gifts together. And we talked about it this morning already. Um, you've taken, uh, most of you have taken your gift test, um, and at least gives you a little idea of what the primary things are in your life um, that, that you typically live out, the things that come natural for you uh, in the spiritual gifts that are listed. And we went over the, there's 21 different gifts, and, and that's, again, we're talking about best practice here. If you somehow come through there and, there's, and you end up with 22 gifts or something like that, it's okay. We're not going to waste a lot of time on that. It's just, it's looking at the way that God has created you personally. And now tonight we're going to look how, um, what that looks like and we bring that together in a body. And really this is, up to this point, um, it's easy to leave it on paper. Um, but, but when you actually start to live it out, and, you, and the person sitting beside you is, is motivated and gifted very differently than you, there tends to be some friction. Uh, it can be friction. So what we're going to look at tonight is what that looks like, and when we get it right, how it's a beautiful testimony to the world around us. So the passage of scripture for tonight is Act, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. We're going to start with that. And I would say that the, what we're reading here just a reminder, that, and I've kind of alluded to this already, this is not just on paper. This is a working plan. So when we talk about the spiritual gifts in the body, um, it's, it's not something that we have a knowledge of. Christ designed it that it was a working plan. It's something that actually is meant to be lived out and worked. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through the end of the chapter. For just as the body is one, and I, I'm going to keep noting this. Do you notice where it says one? As we start that passage, you're going to find it pretty much every time. Before he goes into the diversity of gifts, he, he clarifies again, we're, we're one. We're meant to show to the world that we are one. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, this was a big deal for them back there when he was writing this to the, to the Corinthian church. Jews and Greeks signified a huge gap between the two. The Greeks were not supposed to be part of this from the Jews' perspective. Slaves or free, another big gap, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And on these, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And if our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Tonight, what you did in prayer, it's not necessarily suffering or rejoicing, but there's a special part of the young lady's life that is going to be very important, um, maybe in her future journey, by gathering around and walking through her with that. That's a body. We did, you did that together with her. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, 
and I will still show you a more excellent way. That last phrase will be the theme of the message tomorrow morning. So tonight, I'll, I feel a little bit scattered. Um, there's, different, there's different thoughts that I really want you to take home with you um, regarding of, of maybe some, some thing practices in the Anabaptist culture that we've had in the past that didn't facilitate drawing out the gifts in uh, the members. Um, there, and there's ways, things that have kind of hindered that in a way. So I, I want to share these things. I don't feel like they're, I hope they're connected enough that you can follow me well through that. If not, at the end of the day, I'm just going to share those thoughts with you and maybe we'll talk about them a little, cause it, it, a little bit because I think that it's important. So one of the things, um, and Dave Ramsey uh, gives an illustration of Belgium horses that maybe some of you have heard. Uh, and, and if Dave is a controversial figure in your mind, just forget that Dave said it. It didn't come from him. He got it somewhere else anyway. So it's not original thought with him. But there's a phenomenon that happens in nature with horses. Now, Belgium horse is one of the largest, strongest horses in the world, capable of pulling up to four times its weight. One horse, if you saddled, if saddled to, and I don't know what, if they used a sled for this, if they used a wagon for this or what it is, but one horse saddled, one of these big, strong Belgian horses, is capable of pulling 8,000 pounds. That's larger than most cars, um, larger than some trucks. Uh, but just picture that, that horse can hook to that thing and drag it away. Here's the interesting thing. If you hook it with another horse that it has never... Um, let's say you're at a horse show and you pull two Belgian horses from different parts of the country and you, and you harness them together. They can pull 8,000 individually. They can pull 16,000 pounds together, right? No. Together, untrained, never have seen any more, they average between 20,000 and 24,000 pounds that they can pull when there's two of them. Just the simple fact that they're pulling alongside another horse. Now, if you, if you hook a trained, if two Belgians are raised in the same farm, whatever it is, and they're trained to pull together, they're trained to pull in step, and you, sa- and you harness them side by side, typically the two trained Belgians together will pull 32,000 pounds. Four times what one horse can pull by itself. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of, of team and blending things together. Now, I'm not here just to pump you up and talk about team and get you all excited and, and leave about that. But we can't miss, the, me- we can't miss the, the message of that. That actually happens when, when, there is, when you're in the saddle together and you bring your strengths together. It, it doesn't just add up, it multiplies up. In the church, when the Holy Spirit uses uh, the gift that is within you, remember again, it's not your gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to you to steward well. And when you offer that, and a Holy Spirit from an, for, throughout another person with their gift is brought together, there's amazing things happen. It's not just adding up what you can do and what that person can do. It's the Holy Spirit work that, that draws that together. So when I look at some of that, I don't know that um, in our culture that we've always done, in our Anabaptist culture, that we've always done maybe the best in drawing that out. The way that we choose leadership um, some of those things, and, and I'm, again, this is not to say that it's not godly in a way. Maybe there's another step that we could uh, explore a little bit further, and some are, but here, here's typically um, what that looks like. If, if we're, let's just, and I'm going to use a leadership team as an example, and I'm grateful because I know the names of the leadership team here. I really don't know anything about your leadership team, so I feel like I can speak freely with that. Uh, don't think that I'm referencing anything because I don't know anything about um, how you operate or, or the personalities even. Uh, there's, there's different perceived things that you can see, um, but if we, let's just say there's an ordination coming up and we typically rely on the, the godly character traits that are listed um, in First Timothy, I think it is, and maybe, maybe in Titus. Forgive me if I have the wrong reference for those, but where it lists the qualifications, the character qualifications for a leader. That's excellent. That should be the starting point in every one because it's not, you have phrases like um, should be able to ha- uh, manage his family well, for if he's not able to do that, why would you put him in charge of 200 people? If he, why would you expand his 
his area of responsibility to manage people if he struggles to manage the four or five or six that God gave to him. That's, those are just things that are listed as character qualifications for a leader. They're excellent. Don't ignore those. We can go further than that. There's times when um, maybe, maybe what you're, you're saying, your church, um, you don't specifically have someone that teaches the word of God well. Well, uh, you, this godly person, uh, ordination comes up and their life visibly shows those qualifications. You think, man, this is the guy. But he really struggles to teach. And, uh, and a lot of times we've traditionally said, well, uh, we, we use phrases like, well, if God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Um, I don't disagree with any of those phrases, but he also has given us an intelligent plan that I think it's wise for us to pay attention to in the scripture. So it, there's nothing wrong with when you look at that, to look within your congregation among those qualified and say, man, what, what we're really lacking is someone that can teach the word well. Or maybe you have that. Maybe you have someone that can teach well, but that person is, is just not a pastor. It doesn't come naturally. And, and I'll just tell you right up front, teachers, most times that's one of the things that they have to put an effort into because it may not come naturally. They study the word. They're excellent at reading, seeing truths, passing them on to the congregation, but the pastoral piece of it, of spending time be someone's, you know, just putting their arm around and caring for them and that, not everyone, that's the different giftings, but those are di- they're two different giftings. It's okay to look into that, but a lot of times we have in the past, we've, we've chosen maybe the outspoken, uh, a type A person that has been successful in life, they're godly, they, maybe they have a successful business, or we look at some of those things and think, man, that guy... The Lord must be blessing him. He's a good leader. We sh- let's put him in. And he's ordained, and he's put into an office, and all of a sudden, in, in a lot of circles, there's a lot of expectations are put on that leader. Well, we expect you to be a pastor. We expect you to be good with money, like a deacon. Uh, we expect you to be able to preach the word. We expect you to be able to, and there's just lots and lots of expectations. Some of those he's going to excel in. Some of those God has gifted him in. Some of them are a real struggle. So you have this, this man that is doing his very best because the church is asking to do it, and he feels like because the church did, God is asking to do it, and he's just fully plugging in, trying to do his best without getting burned out by the things that he doesn't enjoy. Meanwhile, there's someone sitting on the fourth bench. The very thing that he is burned out with would just love to do that. God has gifted them, and every time the pastor tries to do it, they're just kind of inside just... Like, oh man, there's, so, there's, there's ways that they would just love to express that gift, but they haven't been asked to do it. Um, and and it's, been, it's been loaded onto someone else because of, kind of because of the system we have. I think we can do better than that. God has specifically called those things. So there's two aspects of that that cause that problem. The, the congregation putting that expectation on the pastor, or, and again, I'm using the leadership team as, this could be, this could be a committee, this could be um, a teacher, this could be a... Um, Whatever the whatever the the position is, so the expecta- uh, the expectations of that, and so typically here's what happens: that pastor performs that for a long period of time, and he has he has poured himself into it to the point of burnout, but he begins to own that in a way, and all of a sudden, when someone else comes and can do that very thing that God has gifted him with, it just comes very easy, comes naturally. Maybe, maybe the circle is you've asked him to be the song leader as well or whatever it is, and he doesn't even enjoy music, but it's his job, so he just does his best at it. And there's the person that comes out that's gifted in music, loves to sing, loves to lead in worship, and starts to do that. Someone that has owned something and it's been very difficult can tend to hold on to that. It's tough to release it at that point because it's been a struggle for them. They've poured themselves into it. Those are some, there's some issues when we don't look at the next step the characteristics for a pastor are should be the foundational thing. We look, we want a godly person that is that is looking um, that to lead the congregation. But when we look past that, you say, man, what is it? Um, what is it right now? Let's let's just say you're um, if the leadership team here would look at what we read in Ephesians last night and say, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's pastors, there's teachers, there's administrators. I think it is. Um, if we were to ordain, what of those five things, what is the weakest area that our church doesn't feel like we're really strong in? Like, what is that? We're going to have an ordination. Let's pray and ask God to reveal that. We, we want to fulfill, we want to give that, we want to give a picture of all of, the, of what Christ has given to, the, to give that, 
complete picture of Jesus like we showed this morning. It's wise to do that. It may not be the only way. Maybe we, maybe we say this is best practice or whatever it is, but it's wise to intelligently look at that and say, Holy Spirit, lead us in what you would have for our church to f- complete that circle, whatever it is. And, and there may be someone sitting here um, that, that has that very thing that you can call. So just, just from personal experience at Skyline, um, we've tried to be intentional with that. And there's sometimes that, that we pass on the ordination. We say clearly, like, this, is what, this is what we feel like. We will take it to the church as a leadership team and say, this is what we feel like that our team is weak in. And one of those for quite a while was a teacher, someone that could teach the word well. We felt like we were weak in that. It's not, it's not my first gifting. And we asked the church for that. Could, could we pray about that? So we, and we voted. And it was, it was clear by the results of that. There was no clear direction for it. So we just passed. We didn't, we didn't have an ordination. We waited said, okay, this is what it looks like the Lord is saying for us. We'll wait. In time, God answered that prayer. We've been blessed with someone that, that loves, loves to teach, loves to study, loves to um, be in the Word. He's a young pastor. He's growing in that. I think he's going to be exceptional in it. Those are, some, those are some things that I think in our Anabaptist circles, I think we can be a little more intentional with and say, man, it's not, we want, we want a godly person that loves the Lord. What is it that we're missing to, f- to completely show this well? So that is, that's one of the things I would like to, um, that I wanted to go over with you. And, and here's a, here is a quote that maybe will kind of bring this together. On, and maybe, maybe not, I'm sorry, this is where it feels a bit disconnected. But the, the quote is, honoring position over moral authority will kill the body and its growth. That's the world system. The world said, I can't give you the reference. Um, now I feel like I should. Uh, in, in the New Testament, it talks about the world using the system of position and power. That's the world system. Jesus said, we don't do that. The greatest among you is to be a servant. I believe it was Jesus himself that said it. And I can't give you that passage. But that is when you honor position or we say, um, we've elected this person into the position uh, he's going to do the job because he is maybe the pastor or whatever. Um, we give that the honor due to it. He doesn't have moral authority in it. Or he doesn't have the gift for that. He'll do his very best to fulfill that. But there's a person with moral authority that God has gifted for that very thing. And either we don't release it to that person. And, and again, in some systems, there's a very clear line of what offices or what jobs can be done by someone that's ordained or not ordained. Not looking to blur any of those lines, whatever that is, but I, I would just say be very careful if you have someone with a moral authority and a gift in that area that can lead out in those areas, use that. Use that. Call that out. Draw that out and say, we, we want to we enable you as the body of Christ to, to use that for his glory. We can't project things on leaders that God is not asking them or equipping them to do. Neither is it right for leaders to squelch what God is providing through the bo- bo- for the body through someone else. Another quote is, Do not elevate someone to a position they cannot fill because of one or two other spiritual gifts that they excel in. So, so um, just a practical example maybe of this. Um, let's just say uh, there is someone that has a spiritual authority in discernment. Um, and wh- I would say one of, the, one of the people that we have honored in our setting at home, where there's a prison chaplain team that goes in into the prisons uh, full-time. There's seven or eight of them. And repeatedly dealing with, um, I'll just say, demons and, and the dark side of the enemy's kingdom that reveals itself visibly in prison. They reveal themselves outside of prison as well. But obviously there's kind of a concentration of those. So those men and, and women that go into prison and deal with that on a regular basis and the spiritual authority that they need to have to be able to, um, to, to walk through it with those people uh, in, in many cases to, to cast out demons, to, to have discernment of what, what is happening in this person's life has to be an infilling of the Holy Spirit. That same person, we, we, I honor those as some of my good friends, um, by the grace of God working through them, do very well with that. 
more so that, than I do. So um, there was a young lady a few years back that was struggling with things that felt demonic. And she called and asked if we would come and pray. I said, absolutely, I'll come and pray. But I'm going to ask one of my friends to come with me because I think that he has more spiritual authority in this area than I do. Not that I can't pray, not that it's not the same Holy Spirit, but he's very used to this. He has discernment when it comes to that, and I would like to bring him along. So let's just take that same person. He's gifted in that area. Maybe raising children is not his specialty. Maybe he's focused so much on that, and, and many of you can bring examples into your head. If I was a young father with several young children that I was struggling with, that same person may not be the one that I would go to for advice, because I don't I don't feel that he would have the spiritual authority in that area. There's someone else that I would go to and say, man, I'm struggling with this with one of my children. Can you, can you help me with it? Like, what, what would you do? I've watched you with your children. I've seen the power of God work in your family. Um, I'd like you to give some input. Those are just some simple examples of what moral and spiritual authority is, and we need to be aware of that. Just because someone has an area that they are spiritually rich in, that doesn't mean that every area of their life, they have, they'll have their weak areas as well. But remember, like we said this morning, as we do church together, as we grow together, the body builds itself up in love. I gain from your strengths, you gain from my strengths, right? Okay, blending, blending the gifts together. I really feel like I'm jumping around. I'm going to be skipping some of this in here. Some of the tension, then, I want to look at some of the tension that that then brings uh, when you bring it together. Or um, it just, a, just kind of an analogy, the human body, many times when, there's, when there is strengths, uh, muscular strengths in certain areas that you're very dominant in, the opposite opposing supporting muscle, let's say your bicep or your tricep, if you repeatedly do muscular things uh, that, that, that grow your biceps and you eliminate strength in your triceps, uh, you'll have a problem. It's not balanced. There's, there's an over there's an overemphasis on a particular muscle. Um, baseball pitchers, major league baseball pitchers, typically if they don't condition well and do that, uh, if they strengthen their left arm, they strengthen the opposing muscles to their pitching muscles, they'll end up a wreck. They can, they can almost ruin their arms because they allow one part of their body to become too strong. Uh, and the balancing muscle isn't strong enough. Uh, I, many people with knee problems, if they, ha if they have a strong quad on the front of the leg, but the back of the muscles does not support that, you, you end up having knee problems because it actually pulls your knee a little bit out of position. Common problem in the physical body. Common problem in, the, in our spiritual world as well. When we, when we don't have, we focus on a couple of gifts that are really bright and exciting. Vaughn mentioned last night that, um, you know, he, wasn't, he thought he would look for some more uh, glamorous gifts. Maybe He didn't know what his looked like. But when you, when you don't, I ask him if he wants to be a, a prophetic talking in tongues miracle worker, uh, if that's what he was looking for or, or if it's, uh, or what that is. But sometimes... It's, that's what 1 Corinthians just talked about. Some of the lesser gifts are very important to, to help balance those things out. All right, we're going to do a little bit of a fun exercise tonight. At least it'll be fun for me. Um, <laughs> uh, I would like for you, um, for the congregation, to vote, uh, vote a soprano. Um, just throw out a name. Someone that's not scared... Uh, be nice to them if they're not, if you think they're scared to even walk. I'm going to ask them to walk up front, and and do some singing. So, um, but this is your opportunity. That person that you would just love to elect to see. Christina. Christina. All right. Where's Christina? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, we'll give her a pass. She said no. I'm going to get a songbook in the meantime. Um, oh, you have to elect another one. <laughs> Donna, okay, Donna, where's Donna? Come on, Donna. All right, this is going to be good. 
Don't worry, you won't be the only one. But for a while, it's going to be a little awkward. <laughs> so um, now I'm going to step out a little bit on a limb for this one. Um, what was your spiritual gift? Did you do the, were you able to do the test? What was your first one? Exhortation. Exhortation. Awesome. So this is uh, Donna's first gift is exhortation. And just picture this in the setting of a church. Um, Donna, would you sing the first two lines of How Great Thou Art? Um, I just sing the whole thing. No. No. Uh, sure, right there, yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Was that not beautiful? I, why don't you clap for her a little bit? She did good. Now, would the, would the congregation please choose an alto? Did, do we have a name? Did I miss it? Okay, just stand and come forward. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Is she coming? Okay, okay. You could have came without shoes on. That's all right. <laughs> all right, now, uh, Jeannie, right? Yeah. So what was your primary gift? Um, leadership. Leadership and exhortation. So we're going to see how, let's see how leadership and exhortation, I'm going to leave it up to you to picture this in the church. What does leadership and exhortation look like when you put those together? Would the two of you sing that same verse um, all the way down to the chorus? You sing alto and she'll sing soprano. Beautiful. Very good. All right. Who's the tenor? Gene and Sam. Gene and Sam. Gene and Sam. <laughs> How many want Gene? Re oh, really? Okay, Gene and Sam come up. I heard one of you can do bass. Sam can take bass. Okay, Sam's bass. Gene's Gene's uh, tenor. Oh, this is this is great. No, no. You're supposed to offer your gift willingly, Sam. <laughs> do you have Do you have a book? I'm gonna. Okay, Gene, um, you're singing tenor. What was your gift? Your primary gift? Craftsmanship. Awesome. So we have. We have exhortation, leadership, and craftsmanship. So um, if you would sing verse 2, the three of you with tenor, uh, and sing it all the way to the chorus, if you would. Awesome. Very good. Give them a round of applause again. Uh, is, is somebody recording this to put it on YouTube later? Is there? Yeah. Okay. Sam, what is, uh, we'll have you add a baseline here. What, what is your primary gift? Serving. Wow. We're starting to have a really beautiful church here. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So, the title of the message tonight was A Symphony of Praise. Um, when we blend our gifts like this, that's exactly what it is. So if you would um, take verse 2, um, actually verse 3, and when I think that God is son not sparing, and Sam, if you would come in with the bass on the chorus, because we're going to see what that adds in. Uh, when, when that gift is called out and it's necessary in the church, when that's added to it, what happens with that? Would you sing verse 3? And then would you, all of you sing verse 4 with, with them? When Christ shall come, when shall of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great thou art. That is the symphony of praise, no less beautiful in the church when we offer our gifts as a living sacrifice to our king. When the world looks in, that's what they hear. That's the, and that's the symphony of praise that goes up to our Father as well. It's beautiful. And I don't know if you pictured, as they were singing, as you heard their gifts, of different scenarios where those things could happen right here with exhortation and leadership, um, serving, and... Craftsmanship, thank you. Man, there's some powerful things can happen with that. Offering your gift. The proper way to offer your gift is humbly, but honestly and persistently. You're not selling yourself. You're promoting the necessary work of the Holy Spirit that you, that you will have to give an account for. The gift comes before the office. So don't connect it to the office if there is a, and I'll use this for an example. Again, these are just kind of maybe a little bit like, if you, if you ever read Proverbs and you go from uh, one proverb to the next, you almost think, man, I just got focused on that one. And he totally changed subjects and there's a, a bit of wisdom about this. And then the next verse is different. And then, but they're all, they're all good. One of the things um, to be careful with, um, don't connect the calling to the office. I've I feel the calling on my life to be an exhorter, um, to lead people, uh, and I, I'm currently utilizing that as the lead pastor at Skyline Mennonite Church. Now, if I leave Skyline Mennonite Church, my calling has not changed. The Holy Spirit has still asked me to do that. There's not, I'm not losing my identity. If, some, if the church would decide that someone else um, could lead Skyline better than I can, I hold that with an open hand because it's his. If he called me to serve for that period of time, for the X amount of years at Skyline Mennonite Church, and I can honor him with that by the gift that he's given to me, praise Jesus. If that's not, guess what? He has somewhere else for me to use that. It's not a lost calling. It's not, he's not going to waste his giftings, his talents. 
If they get buried, it's because I buried them, not because he did. So don't connect too strongly what you may feel is the way that you're living out your calling. That's not your identity. That don't connect it to that because the calling you've given, God can take that and use that in a foreign mission field somewhere. He can take that and use it at somewhere up the street. He can use that at another job. Sometimes he's called us to minister in our job settings and, and he takes that away and we don't always know why sometimes, but guess what? He does. And it may be because he says, man, I just, son, daughter, I really need you over here. I've given you this. I want you to display this in this setting, different setting. So don't, don't connect it, your gift too strongly to an office. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and the next year you don't get voted back in and it, it's a little painful because you thought you were doing really well teaching with that or, or whatever that is. Or, and maybe, maybe it's because you, you didn't make known that you feel fulfilled when you do that. Could be that. If it's not, it's okay. Don't, don't connect your identity to that or the fact that that's where your gift lies. If I leave Skyline, my gift is not going to stay there. God will give that a gift to lead to someone else, but what he's given to me is going to go where he calls me next, too. So offering, offering the gift, and here's, here's a suggestion. These are just some, again, maybe their best practices. Um, I'm sure you have an annual business meeting here, a reorganization meeting, probably once a year. How much fun is that, right? Every can't wait till that day rolls around and all the paperwork and the voting and the making the phone calls and all that. But I'll tell you the best reorganization that I remember in 14 years at Skyline was the time when uh, several months ahead, I was like, you know what, this is this can get really hard sometimes calling people to say, hey, would you be willing to be, you know, this? So, so I should say. Um, Maybe you have a vote that happens right here, and be, by the end of the t by the end of the night, everyone either says yes or no, or you just accept what you're asked to do, or whatever. Whatever it is, that's um, that's awesome. We don't as much. They're, we're voted in, and then the the leadership team will call those people if they're not there, or um, we count the ballots. We we look over the results of the ballot, and then we make the phone calls and say, "Hey, you you were voted in to be the Sunday school superintendent. Would you be willing to do that?" Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. And then we get to call the next person and the next person and the next person. Um, so, so this particular one, several months before, we passed out a um, spiritual gift analysis and we listed all the offices of the church and said, what do you feel like that, that your gift lies? Where do you feel like that gift lies? Everyone has something to contribute to the church. We'd just like to know where you feel like your contribution to the church comes at. There's no one that comes and sits on the pew Sunday after Sunday, year after year, that God did not give something to to contribute to that body. Everyone has it. We just need to find it, right? So we asked that, would you circle, would you circle some of the offices you feel your first, second, and third choices of where you think God could, God could use you um, in your perspective? So we had the results of that back, and underneath every office that we had, we put three names of people that already said, I feel like this is a place that I could serve well in. Guess what? The organization didn't take very long. The offices were filled with happy people that said, I'd love to do that job. And the year went really well. Now, we haven't always repeated it like that, um, but it's because we didn't put the effort in to do that. So I'm just, maybe that's an idea. Um, but, but to me, it, it, it um, kind of recertified in my mind again that there is, when, when we get to operate in our sweet spot, and we don't always get to do that, um, life is not just full of all the pleasant things that you and I want to do. There's, there's, some, there's hard things we have to walk through. But when we have the opportunity and say, man, if, if you, I love music. I'd, I'd love to be the song leader. I'd love to lead in worship, whatever that is. Sure, I'll, I'll be happy to. I don't particularly care to teach Sunday school class. Um, if, if no one else will, and, you, and the church thinks that I should, I'll be willing to do that. But there's someone that sits here that says, I'd, I'd love to teach that Sunday school class. Okay. I think we're going to move into your time now. If the ushers would have a mic or two ready. Um, here's, here's what I'd like to do. And some of you already started this morning. Um, you recognized, uh, you've had the opportunity to take your own test. 
But there's probably things, even as we went through the gifts up here, the 21 gifts that we read the meanings off for, there's probably some people that when one flashed up, someone's name come to mind. It's like, oh, that, that, I've seen that in that person already. Um, so again, I'd, I'd like a portion of tonight, the, the rest of the evening here now, just be to two things, maybe to recognize those things, maybe, maybe to call something out. Maybe there's a younger younger to an older or, or even a, even a, I mean, I'm sorry, an older to a younger or possibly even younger to older, but maybe, maybe an older to younger person that says, I, I see this in you and I'd like to call that out. I think at one point when, when Paul and the apostles laid hands on Timothy, my guess is, it does not very descriptive that my guess is they said, Timothy, we see the, this in you. We're going to call this out for the job that God is calling you to do. We're going to bless you with this. Um, All right, you guys want to come up front for that or just raise your hand? I think, why don't, you come, why don't the ushers come on up with the mics? That way you can kind of see your faces. And um, you don't feel like you have to... Sure. Um, David, you want to do that rotating list again? That you have? So if, if you're going to do this, and maybe it's a little bit new to you, don't, don't just a simple word. It might be, might be a simple phrase of saying, I, man, I... Batteries are literally. Yeah, it is. I see how it is. Hallelujah! We oh, the lights are going out too. It, it is over. It is over. Um, yeah. I, it yeah. It might. It may just be. Um, you know, brother. I see. I see the servant. The way that you serve, I just want to bless that. Thank you for doing that. We really appreciate that, Steve. So uh, I've had the privilege of working side by side with Arlen now for uh, about twelve years. Uh, Arlen is our deacon, and early, um, and Glenn was deacon before that. Both very detailed persons and very, very able to do a lot of things that I am not able to do and and um, I see I don't know if 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 their gift of service or not but this says, says the gift of serving is the divine strength or ability to do small or great tasks and working for the all good of the body of Christ and uh, and I've thought for a long time we should also uh, call out a couple deaconesses and uh, Katrina and Ruth would would fill that role really very well yeah Thank you, Steve. So, uh, one of the so here's one of the tensions um, in our Anabaptist culture. We we believe, um, you know, we we hit pretty hard on the phrase that women should be silent in church, um, and that we operate under the male headship order ordained by God. That is godly. Um, if you look at all of Scripture in context, that doesn't mean suppressing women. Women have, there's some very gifted women. And because a, a leadership or one of what we might call one of the kind of out front type gifts is stronger in a spouse, a, a wife, than in a husband, it doesn't have to be, there. that can create some tension, right? In a, first of all, in a marriage, but then also in a church setting. Where, where do we operate that in our Anabaptist culture? Um, you can. It has its place under the headship of God-ordained male leadership, uh, and it can be a fine that can be a fine symphony to play sometimes to where that happens to utilize those gifts and allow those to be used for the gift the, the um, for the benefit of the body. I love to keep talking, but this is not my time. This is yours. I'd like to say when I thought about words of wisdom, there's many men that came to my life and it came to my mind men that are here in the church, but one of those men, um, Abe Spiker, has often mm. done that for me, and I just want to thank him publicly for giving me words of wisdom. I've been on different boards with him, and just been a blessing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. One of the persons that 
came to mind as far I was thinking of the gift of of uh, service, gift of serving as a divine strength or ability to do small or great tasks and working for the overall good. And one person that comes to mind, to my mind, in doing that is Merv Bontrager. So if, you're, if your name was spoken and you've been blessed with that, it's okay to receive that. It's, it's the Holy Spirit work within you. Allow that to, to bless your emotional well-being. It's not a thing of pride. It's not the thing that, like he said, oh yes, now I'm, now I'm the man of wisdom. I've got all this or whatever. People are going to, it's okay, just receive it. Honor Jesus with it. Um, go ahead. When I think of mercy, the gift of mercy is the divine strength or ability to feel empathy and to care for those who are hurting in any way. I think of my brother Wilbur. I love this. It's good. Keep it up. Um, Is it on? Yeah. Okay. Um, intercession. I think of Esther. She prays faithfully for many people. Mm. Praise the Lord. When I think of hospitality, Esther, uh, Glenn Esther comes to my mind. You've always been so such a gracious hostess so many years, and I've always appreciated that. I'm new here, so this is kind of scary, but I love Thelma. I see you back there. You're an amazing server. Like, I've just watched you float around here serving. (laughs) What's your grandma's, Esther? I just want to bless you, because today, hospitality came out very strongly with you, sitting out there, and you just told me a lot about yourself and the church, and. it was just really kind of you. So thanks for making me feel welcome. Mm-hmm. When I think of leadership, um, it's one thing that it's hard for me when you have 50 different opinions. And how do you make something out of that? And I just bless Steve for doing that. Thank you. I've always felt cared for deeply by Dean whenever he um, looks me in the eye and says, how you doing? And I don't know what gift that is. (laughs) Love, no, what do you call that? That's probably something. uh, That's pastoral care. Pastoral care, there you go. Thank you. I'm also not exactly sure what it is, maybe the gift of faith, but I I just see in Pauline a real um, confidence and with her daughter Sheila, what she's been involved in. I really, really admire your, your strength in all of that. I would just like to recognize my friend, Elsie. She's a very giving person. Amen. Thank you. When I think of the gift of giving, um, Josie came to mind. I think our church has been very blessed to have him, him be a part of this body. I can echo what Esther said about Elsie and giving. I don't care if it's just a tomato or a squash or <laughs> maybe a, just a little flower in a in a vase. She's a very giving person. Ah, praise the Lord. Bless her. Yeah, that's beautiful. When I think of um, Word of Wisdom, I often think of Ada. 
Um, she does very well with taking real life and breaking it down and learning from it and um, allowing it to, um, yeah, water the wisdom and um, yeah, just the way she learns from it and shares that with those around her. I too just want to um, thank Josie for all the giving and as head trustees here, Maynard and I, um, and there's lots of projects, <laughs> we um, occasionally get a little uh, nudge here and there, hey, do it right, you know, we'll help. And that means so much, and, and there's others, and you know who you are, just that have the gift of giving. Hmm. And I, and it doesn't matter, I guess, where, what our station is in life, we can all give something. And we have seen that over and over, and I just want to say thank you. I love to hear Steve teaches. Steve's teaching is is the best. Thank you. I said I don't know many of you well, but I would have labeled Steve as a teacher. I'm going to speak for my special needs son. Um, I'm not sure what the gift would be, but it's not easy to communicate with him, so it's a little hard for, I'm sure, for a lot of people to talk to him, but there's quite a few that do, but I don't think there's a Sunday that goes by that Quinn Schrock doesn't come and talk to him. Mm. And he, he knows that. Mm. He lights up when he comes up to him. Thank you. What a um, word in for Rebecca. Um, she and I walked a similar journey in the special needs world, and she reads between the lines for me, and she taps in and gives me encouragement, um, and yeah, I just bless her for that. Thank you. Um, I would just like to, I'm not sure if this was on our list or not, but Alicia uh, for craftsmanship. And that might not look like building something with your own hands, but just your creativity and um, your willingness to step out and be different in, um, in that creativity. And you created our youth t-shirts for Jamaica and they're amazing. I just bless you in that to be bold in your creativity. I just want to say, um, my dad, Linford, I think he has a lot of gifts. Um, but one I think about for him is prophecy and word of knowledge. Um, he's not afraid to speak into the hard things and also lots of words of wisdom. I've learned so much from him and I trust his relationship with Jesus so much. Amen. I think of uh, Herb and Lillian. I know they are now older and can't do what they used to be what they used to be able to do. But the many, many, many hours they gave uh, with CAM and yeah, she cooked meals for lots and lots of people, and I want to bless them for doing that. Oh my word! Which ones are Herb and Lillian? You probably don't remember me. I was 17 and went to Hurricane Andrew in Florida, and all I know that was Herb and Lillian were cooking, and they were taking care of us. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, the food was good. What I do remember is we had we slept in the barn, and we would buy snacks, and we'd wake up in the morning, and half of them were eaten by the mice. So I didn't. Uh, we learned not to keep them right beside our sleeping bag. Yeah, but it, God bless you guys. I, that's when you said Herb and Louie, and it just rang a bell in my head. Um, yeah.
I just want to uh, make mention of my sweet sister Marilyn. She's the sweetest lady around, and she does anything for you, and she's so understanding, and you can just pour out your heart, and she just is a good listener mm. and words of wisdom as well. Amen. Thank you, Marilyn. Uh, when I think of um, discernment, um, just uh, part of it, the just kind of being level-headed <laughs> and, and, and assessing a situation and motives and, and what's really going on. Um, I think of Glenn. Uh, well, thank you. So I am thinking of Mary Bontrager and she has been faithful for years. She's always here, and it, she has inspired me so many times by her, just her faithful attendance. And it, it speaks a lot of her relationship with God. And the other one is Edna May as well. Thank you, ladies. With um, a great leadership team, and I thank God I'm not an administrator uh, because that is not my gift. But uh, I, just, I just am blessed by the fact that we are in our different whatever gifts that we have. We work together, which is giving grace to each other. And uh, I need a lot of grace, and I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for our congregation, just the support of, um, of prayer. And uh, I think even in the weeks coming up before this retreat, the preparation that the committee put in, mm -hmm. in um, giving uh, prayer slips, mm -hmm. um, blessed us as husband and wife uh, just in the past week. And just talking about some things that may seem small but things of the past that that um, my mercy loving wife um, brought to my attention and just we could pray about and uh, God is faithful and I just appreciate the way you put the emphasis as well on on the fact that the gifts have to be for the edification of the church mm -hmm. that is the key Amen. to help each other I want to uh, bless Linford um, also with words of wisdom uh, there was something that uh, my wife and I were uh, just questioning in our life and uh, as a man I was like man I just want to have the answers I should I should mm -hmm. know what to tell my wife and I said, well, let's pray about it. Let's ask God for direction. And literally that night was prayer meeting, and I, got, I was paired up with Linford. And I uh, asked him questions, and just, um, I just knew right there that Linford's gift was words of wis wisdom, mm -hmm. and God was speaking through him. Amen. And I was praising the Lord for those answers. Mm -hmm. And I want to bless you in that. I know you, um, uh, the billboard evangelism and the stuff that you do there is incredible, and I just want to bless you in that. Amen. That's the body of Christ there, working. Thank you. There's just a couple in the back there, Sam. I thought of another person that has really blessed me with hospitality over the years, and that is Suetta. I have always loved going to her house from a young girl. She always made us the best snacks, and we felt so at home at her house. Mm -hmm. When I think of words of wisdom, um, there's many people that come to mind. Uh, one of them is James Hostetler, just a good friend I can call and, uh, yeah, get wisdom from and um, maybe share my rants with, but no, I just appreciate him. Another one is, um, is my wife, Leanna, and just very much appreciate the wisdom that she speaks into my life. I don't always want to hear it, but I, I very much appreciate it. She has, yeah. And very much a blessing. Yeah. Amen. Bless you. I just want to say thank you for um, 
Carolyn Beachy, the friendship that she has shown to me, and being on committees with her, um, getting voted onto sewing committee and saying, oh, I just can't do this, but feeling like, you know, I should, so here we go. Hmm. But Carolyn was on with me, and she was so patient and taught me so many things about quilts mm -hmm. and sewing. I appreciate that, Carolyn. And then there's Marilyn that we um, did use sponsoring with, Wilbur, Marilyn, and then also food committee with them. Marilyn, you have taught me so much. Thank you. I was thinking of Treva Miller has been a real special friend of mine and have in my older years and giving the encouragement and giving, bringing me things to do since my eyes aren't that good to read anymore and she's brought me other things that I can do. Just mm. want to thank her very much and her girls also. Amen. Thank you. Oh, when I see the gift of teaching up there, I think of Grace Hostetler. Um, I had the privilege of teaching um, downstairs with her and I was next to or that had the room next to her and I know she has taught often down there with the kids and she does such a good job it I always want to just take my class over there because I'm pretty sure she's doing better than I am because it sounds way more fun but um, no I know she has spent many months down there teaching and just the way that yeah she does such a good job um, with it and another person that I think of with that same uh, gift would be Deborah. Um, I, she was my group leader with our Bible study, and she just does such an excellent job of just, I don't know, explaining things and making it very practical um, for us. So. Yeah, Deborah, you are an organizer too, and that's good. And I, I just thank the Lord for my two son-in-laws, Tony and Anthony and Gene, uh, and their gifts brought to our family and to the church here. Mm -hmm. Craftsmanship and, and uh, also there's prophecy there. And, uh, and there's uh, others, mixture of other wonderful gifts there. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Um, a few people that we had the privilege of being a small group with that a couple gifts stick out to me are that is uh, um, Dwayne and obviously has the gift of craftsmanship if you've ever been to their place um, very obvious and also his wife Becky um, they've hosted our small group frequently and um, the gift of hospitality very very apparent both with uh, the home the food everything so yeah I want to recognize some younger people, my eighth graders particularly. Um, there's a few that, uh, Kara, you show mercy, and Elena, you're very helpful and help, and Tristan, um, I see service in you, so I want to bless you in that. When I think of service, I think of Lorna and the many, many, many things she does here at the church, and um, with no complaining. God bless you, Lorna. Don't don't let me scare you because I picked up my guitar. It's okay. It's, I don't want to stop this. This is building up of the body, encouraging each other. spoken into my life a lot the last year, two years, is uh, Kevin as well. And I think of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, um, just an insightful way of looking at a situation that was, uh, I want to I be like that, Kevin. I want to be, offer that to my younger generation. Yeah. When I think of uh, Jace, I think of a real servant and just willing to go the extra mile. I've seen that over and over again in him, so thank you, Jace. I want to thank my dad. Uh, he always has words of wisdom. Um, 
as being a young entrepreneur, I usually uh, get myself in a pickle, and he can usually talk my talk me through what I need to do. So thanks, Dad. commend our leadership team I think we as a church here are very blessed and uh, for Kevin and Treva uh, their family have been a huge blessing for me here in the church I think they've been a huge blessing for the church as well the whole family Okay, would you stand with me? And after, there's some campfire time. Go ahead and stand. There's some campfire time.